think one of the challenges to to where you're going with that is that when, when we enter into a dialogue, a, a true, honest dialogue, we need to put our titles and our individual control factors behind us. You know, a president of a growing organization should be able to sit down with the brand new installer and get their perspectives on things mm. and, and, and talk about the what, why, and how of the, the business, you know. But but that doesn't happen anymore because you know control becomes the focal point. And so, in, in our consulting world together, how many times did I work with individuals that would ask us to do something, you know, for the government to move it forward, you know, to modernize? And then as you went down that path as consultants and did the objective analysis, talked to people, looked at best practices and future technology elements, et cetera, et cetera and put together an objective plan to, uh, to achieve what you're asked to do, and then you present it to the individual that contracted you to do that, and they say, oh, well, we can't do it that way because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. In other words, you're out of our box, you know, and, and, and you have to be able to do what we actually do within our box. And then the consultant response would be, but the box is the problem. Right. You know, but right. the box is reality, you know? Yeah. And so you wind up again going around and around in circles spending tons of time and money to come back to the same place over and over again with maybe minor baby steps forward, but you could not do anything really fundamentally changing in, 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 in that contractual environment, uh, which basically meant that we as taxpayers are spending $10 for 50 cents worth of progress. And again, why is that? Because even at that level, dialogue could not occur. Honest, open, reasonable dialogue could not occur because of pre-existing mores, uh, processes, culture, and, and most importantly, control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, you, you're you sort of fond of saying the third third of our lives, right? <laughs> we got daughters who are in their first jobs and, you know, growing into leadership positions, another generation that's going to lead. There's another generation behind us that's leading, and ours are behind them that are going to lead, and we worry about what conditions will be like. How bad can this get? Right. It's pretty bad now. How bad can this get? And I wonder, thinking about systems theory, not to get into systems theory, but it makes me, it frames a question for me, which is in systems, systems can take some number of impacts before and absorb them. Right. You can pollute a stream, a certain amount, a lake, you can, the air, you can, you can, you can financial systems can absorb systems can absorb some things until one more, and then they flip, right? And they could be some very substantially dramatic effects within the system. And everyone's like, "What the hell just happened? All of a sudden, one day? Well, it wasn't one day. It was increments of impacts on the system that added up that nobody was watching, or right. people were saying, "Hey, watch this," and other ones were going. It's fine. It's working fine. And then one day it all changes. What happens in our country if this if the system? How extreme could we keep getting before something flips? Before something cataclysmic happens? Sure, sure. We're seeing that right now. It just take something that's on everybody's mind right now: the price of gas. The price of gas, you know, is the end result of a plethora of factors that created the problem. And those factors didn't happen yesterday. Those factors have been coming on for many, many years now, and to your point, a little here, a little there, okay, well, we'll make this adjustment, and yada, yada, yada. 
And then all of a sudden you get to that one point and things flip. And now, you know, if you will say, oh, look, a year and a half ago when Trump was in office, you know, gas was less than two dollars a gallon, you know, and now look at it a year less, a little over a year later, it's two and a half, three times that. That must be Biden. And then Biden's administration just like you what I will say, oh, no, it's Putin's problem. He did it, you know. You know, and, and he, again you you devolve into this slinging arrows thing yeah. while everybody is grousing about how are we going to put food on the table and put gas in our car at the same time. And they say, well, uh, we all just need to move to electric cars. Yeah, that's the fix. Okay. All right. Great. A, not everybody has $50,000, $70,000 sitting around to buy an electric car. But B, more importantly, even if we all were to acquire electric cars tomorrow, the whole world would come to a standstill, especially in the States, because our electrical infrastructure will not support right. that added load on the current grid. You know, so what the administration and society wants to be an overnight fix is really something that is going to take years to affect. We did not get into the problem that we have today with the price of oil overnight. Hmm. We are not going to fix the problem with a gallon of gas overnight either. And it's not going to be without pain or without cost or without inconvenience to do so. And that cost, pain, and inconvenience is tremendously exacerbated by the fact that we have not had that centrist dialogue over the last 8, 10, 20 years as this was slowly coming together. Now, if we continue to not have that dialogue and continuously errors at each other, what could be fixed or at least improved in a matter of years, maybe, could mm -hmm. take exponentially longer because mm -hmm. instead of focusing on the real problem, mm -hmm. we're focusing on who's right and who's wrong and who's going to fry as a result, right? That's true. There's nothing that we're going to do in our lives, let alone in the public sphere, that doesn't involve trade-offs. So if we want less dependence on anything, or if maybe even less dependence isn't, the, the question maybe should be, what are the trade-offs we're willing to accept? So if we have, we're not going to produce everything ourselves in, in a self-sustaining way. That's not practical. So there will be, we will buy some things from other places. What's the, what's the advantages and risks of that? Right. Uh, you know, if, if, if we're going to produce more, let's just stay on the oil topic, produce more here in the States, what are the environmental risks? That, not that we don't talk about that, but what happens is the conversation is not very illuminating to me. Right. If right. the environmentalists say no, and the, and the ones who want the production, who have a lot to gain by it financially, say, you're communists, it doesn't help me. So there will always be trade-offs. What's the what's? Let's have a conversation about the trade-offs. What can be done to what degree of safety, like health, environment right. safety, with what degree of certainty, and where is the gray area? Let's talk. Right. I mean, I, I want to know that. I'd like to talk. I'd like to hear that conversation. I'd like to weigh in on that, but not the conversation that you highlighted now. The one we're having yeah. now isn't helpful. The one we're having now doesn't illuminate anything. It doesn't teach us anything about what we should do next. We just keep having the same. But we have we have a very short-term, fickle mentality yeah, here. And I think worldwide, but especially the United States, we want it now. And we want it easy and we want it fast. You know, again, getting back to the, the adult education days, you know, we talked about faster, better, cheaper. And that's like the triple constraint in, 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 in you know, uh, 
Project management. management, You you can't have one or two without the other, you know? And so ironically, one of the things in the Citrus platform that I was looking at today, one of their primary points is right here is long-term solutions. I'll read it directly. It says, even when politically unpopular Citrus parties should always attempt to take a long-term view of any issue. Let's take getting getting back to the, the gas thing again. What, what, what is the, the knee jerk today coming out? You know, oh, oh, well, you know, well, we're just going to go down down south and talk to our friend Nick Maduro, right? Yeah. Well, you know, President Maduro is the guy that we tried to destroy, a right, wrong, or otherwise, only a few months ago when it was politically correct to do so. But now that Putin's war, quote unquote, you know, has put the kibosh on cheap gas, which is in and of itself, you know, totally it's erroneous. Right, right, right. You know, right. you know, uh, but now, now we're just going to pivot and go back to another enemy of the state, you know, a year ago and, and make them our friend again, because that's a quick solution to a yeah. bad problem. How about, to your point, we look at a middle ground and forget the Green New Deal and forget DO using oil for everything. Let's get to the middle and say, okay, we know long term, we need everybody that's got gray matter rubbed together knows that we should not be belching, you know, car exhaust and cow farts and all that and you know, without without some sort of longer term plan to mitigate those things for the bigger picture of climate change and economic certainties, et cetera, et cetera. But everybody, the, the folks says, let's find something we can implement within 30 days. You know, it, this is wrong. You know, should we move to electric vehicles or some new type of technology for our transportation needs? Absolutely. Can we do it in 30 days? Absolutely not. And to have that level of dialogue that says we need to do it in 30 days, it just brings you into that circular logic whipsawed. equation. Yeah, you just get whipsawed. Yeah. And again, the key point is none of these things that we need to fix right now are going to be able to be done without cost in terms of financial, emotional, infrastructure-like pain. We're going to have to go through some rough times, not the least of which is paying 4 5 $6 a gallon for gas for the near-term future, in order to get from here to there and survive in the process, right? So I'm always thinking, what can I do as an individual? Conversation with each other is good. We've engaged in conversation with others, mostly through some social media platforms. So you're engaged in, a, in the dialogue. I mean, I think that's... I think that's what needs to be done. You've been beating the the debt drum for a long time. It's just a message I've known you've been delivering for, I don't know, 10 years? Yeah, Yeah, at least, yeah, right. It's funny, you know, on Facebook, you get these memory things pop up. Things popped up when I'm talking about the national debt, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, saying, how can we sustain this? This is impossible. And now I look at it today, and even, even I, who tends to myopically focus maybe too much on that is i'm going how did we get here and furthermore how in the world are we ever not you and i but our children to your point yeah. going to get out of this mess well the first step is to quit using the term deficit and start using the term debt you know yeah, Hell, I got a, yeah. yeah i got a credit card deficit just like you do you know? <laughs> but, but it's the debt that's going to make us or break us right i know that over the course of the pandemic you got frustrated. I think you got frustrated with the dialogue, with what was out there. Sure. Politically. And it was just so tedious and it was so divisive and became stressful. And you didn't even want to weigh into something in a reasonable way because it, you felt like it was pointless. We're through that. You know, the kinds of things you're saying today, I think, are the ways a lot of people are thinking and maybe not voicing enough or maybe there's no coverage of what we're voicing. You know, if you're 
Oath Keeper, you're a proud boy, and you 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 do something, you get coverage. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, extremes. The extremes get covered. Yeah. If you're right, if if you're if you're going to occupy something somewhere, you get coverage. Right. So maybe there's a lot of people having the conversation you and I are having that isn't getting coverage. So it doesn't. We don't hear it. Doesn't sound like that's part of the what American citizens are talking about. Well, maybe it is. But to the point you just made of what are we? When is this going to? How bad could this get? How's how how's anybody going to recover? Whether it's us or the generation behind us or the generation that's behind them, which is our kids. How are people going to recover from this? What's what do you see your role in it? What are you trying to do? Well, I, th- I think to begin with, we, myself, but in the bigger picture, need to stop the politicization of the politicization of, of, of everything, all right? And yeah, to right. your point about the pandemic, my frustration, I think a lot of the mayor's frustration is it became a political football more than a medical crisis in a lot of ways. And in the middle of that, we've got other crises the same way. You know, a year, year right, and a half right. ago, two years ago, people were rioting and burning down buildings and all that, you know, and oh, but that's okay because they're just, they're disenfranchised and they're, they're emotional and they're sad. And then, you know, the next thing, the pendulum swings and we've got insurrection at the White House and blah, 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 blah. And the focus becomes those tactical issues when the question should be, how did we get here? Why, why is any of this positive or productive for humanity and the United States of right, America? Right, right. You know, how do we get back to a point to where we realize that we all bleed red? We all have good days and bad days. You know, we all have days where our chain account looks better than others, yada, yada, yada. Uh, things that really matter. And, and, and remove the politicization of, of the left or right extremes as the focal points and, and begin to focus on the things that really matter, not just for today, but for five years, 10 years from now, not for your future or my future, but for our children's future and yeah. their children's future, yeah. the long view once again. And if doesn't, what you're about to say or do doesn't pass the smell test, using that as a, as, as the common denominator, maybe you need to shut up and think about it a little bit. So like, you know, in the work world, when we would get emotionally wrapped around the axle about one of those projects or whatnot, and right. you would fire off, you would write one of these litmus emails, you know, espousing your opinions and why blah, 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 blah. And what I learned early on was put that in your drafts folder. Go take a night off, watch a little TV, exactly. have dinner, come back the next day, read it yeah, again, exactly. yeah. and, and you know, and make some adjustments to it. Because when we lead with our emotions, we're not being our best selves. You know, yeah, we're not even we're not even delivering our best message in the best way. We probably could say some things better that would get the message across. And so, in other words, right. not to back off of what you think and feel, but how you present it can get in the way of your own message. Yeah, and open yourself up to the fact that what you feel today might be, you know, a little bit manipulated by uh, what's going on in your personal life or what's happening in the world or whatnot in in a near-term fashion versus the long-term objective reality that will enable us to move forward, you know? I I heard when I was a kid, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard when I was a kid that American Indians or an Indian tribe wouldn't make a decision without... I recall it being about the environment. Wouldn't make a decision without thinking about how that would affect seven generations. Right. I'm like, damn. Mm-hmm. You can't even think that far ahead, but it just makes you shift your perspective. 
Right. Oh, it right. absolutely does. Yeah, I think that's the thing that bothered me most about the pandemic. I understand it's your body, and I understand that you, you should be able to decide what you put in your body. There's a point there, I think, is a mm-hmm. valid point. Sure. You also have some responsibility to people around you who are outside your decision but could be affected by your decision. None of right. us are going to get in the car today and decide it's my car, it's my rights. I don't need to stop at that stop sign. That's right there. It says 25 miles an hour in this residential district. Oh, fuck that. I got to get to the, I got to get to Wawa. I'm doing 50. We don't do that. Right. We have some right. larger sense of we give up some absolute freedoms for a better social, right. for a better societal right result and outcome and condition. I think that what you're saying is let's, if we stop politicizing everything, we could have that be a little bigger take on things, a little bit broader perspective. And maybe that, maybe that, shifts the dialogue absolutely I mean, and then you have to peel that onion yeah. a long way in order to get to it but what yeah. you're talking about there are two factors first self-importance which we've talked about here today a, a myopic focus on what my individual needs are versus the needs of the big picture and secondly very importantly trust trust in the system trust yeah. in the vaccine makers trust in the politics Getting back to yeah, the dialogue of Fauci's and ass versus Fauci's the science in that particular case, right? It's, Fauci doesn't really matter when your relative is in the hospital gasping for air, do they? We, we have to look at a bigger picture. We have to open ourselves up to the fact that prejudice is inevitable, like we've talked about mm-hmm, here today. Mm-hmm. But prejudice is not a destination. Prejudice is an evolving journey. And if we open ourselves up individually to knowledge, ideas, perspectives that differ from our current perspective and prejudice, then we evolve our perspective and prejudice. But if we shut ourselves off to being staunch Proud Boys or staunch Green New Deal or staunch Black Lives Matter, you narrow your focus to the point to where you're useless in the bigger picture of coming together and evolving as a society. And that's what we've lost right now, I think. Because I do think Black Lives Matter. I do think if you have been in generations of, if you're white and, and, and maybe not educated and uh, working class, and you've been in generations of a decreasing or declining quality of life, uh-huh. that matters. I think sure. if you, I think those things matter, but man, the way we're talking about them just doesn't help with any of them. Not at all. It makes it worse. Yeah, it makes it, it worse yeah, because now the dialogue is in that particular subject matter is does the black individual feel the way they do because of their repression and control against them? Or does do they feel that way because they want to leg up on everybody else in the world? You know, and, and that's it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, it just and and we are not helping ourselves on the left or the right or in the middle by sustaining this type of divisive uh, conversation that we're having in these areas today. We've got to open ourselves up to the bigger picture, well, or else, you know. For myself, one of the things I, I I started the, the podcast six months ago is. Mostly for business reasons, I'm rebranding a practice and the podcast goes with what the practice is going to be. But I didn't need the podcast to be about business issues or workplace issues or projects or, you know, the idea of I see what you mean being that epiphany, that aha moment when I go, oh, Uh then I see what you're, I see what you mean. Right. Because that shifts perspective. Certainly. Um, Certainly. And so I wanted, I also wanted some of the episodes to be about non-work things. I, I'm trying, still trying to think about what I could do that would actually be 
useful in what we're taught in, in our country, in our society, mm-hmm. that I could do at my age that maybe make something better because the people behind us, like you said before, we're just digging a hole deeper, not just financially, socially, politically, right? Every right. way, we're digging it deeper, and and the people behind us have to climb out of it. And I'm thinking, what can I do to help with that? And maybe that's why I was asking you specifically about when you change the conversation with somebody, how do you hear it go? I'm thinking maybe my contribution might be maybe try to try to change the conversation. I'd be I'd be it'd be fun to have some folks on the on an episode who political views different from mine to have the open kind of dialogue that we're that you and I talk about that we try to have just to see how it goes. Sure. I'm not trying to sure. drive at any outcome. I'm not trying to convince you that the border wall is good or bad. That's not the point. Right. As a matter of fact, that's the antithesis of the point because that's how we've gotten to where we are where today. We are. Right, right. You know, I'm going to come and discuss this with you, and I'm going to tell you why I'm right, right. and why you should listen to me and right. change your perspective. Right. Yeah. No. It, you know, we've come full circle on that. Right. You know, you know the saying, "Agree to disagree." And I was talking to someone yesterday, Mika Cross, and she's a federal workplace expert. And, and we were in a, in a, in our prep that she used this phrase that we didn't even capture in the episode, and I I really regretted it. It's not just agree to disagree, agree to how we're going to disagree. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, that's pretty cool. That's well, pretty and cool also, thought. absolutely, and also, agree to disagree is an incomplete sentence. Let's agree to disagree today, but continue the dialogue right. because in continuing the dialogue, that disagreement will become smaller and smaller. You know, but we don't ever go there. Right. You know, and that's my thought about. I've used the definition of. What does it mean to be on the same page? I've used the definition of agreeing to take the next step, comma, together. That's how I'm using a definition of it's it's it's, it's provisional. It's it's almost uh, checking it with people because I don't I think right. that leaves some things out. But I'm trying to capture partly trying to capture what you just said, which is okay. What if you and I were talking about the community affairs and the grounds and the budget for the community? Or we're right. talking about a political issue. Or we're talking about a business issue. We might see something differently. That's normal. Right? It's healthy. It's right. supposed to be. And so if we have a conversation that says, well, Dan, why don't we do a couple things to check out maybe our assumptions or our beliefs or right. our biases? And then we'll yep. go do them together, come back and tell and learn and see what what did we learn? What happened? Right. Take, sure. Yeah. Agreeing enough to take the next step together. I like your point about don't just stop with agree to disagree. We're disagreeing. What's the next step? So that's always one of the questions I like to ask too about on the on the podcast is getting on the same page isn't the outcome of everything we do. What if you can't? What if you don't? What do you do then? Right, right. Look, we're never all going to be on the same page. That's as ridiculous as where we are today in the divisive world. <laughs> the the value of humanity and the intelligence that you know whether it was mud rubbing together or God given doesn't matter. The fact that these humans can agree to disagree and continue that intelligent conversation as we've talked about. Let's just use the Ukraine to close this off. Mm. Right now, people say. Well, uh, you know, Putin is engaging Ukraine like this because he's worried because NATO's right on his doorstep and they don't trust him. I mean, they think they're, they're being like, well, that's wrong. NATO, NATO is a totally defensive organization and we would never do that, blah, blah, blah. Well, then let me ask you a question. How would we feel if Russia were to build a huge military installation 
right outside of Havana, Cuba right now. Which, by oh, the way, we almost fought a nuclear war on back in the 60s right. in the Kennedy administration right. Right. for that very purpose. And we said the same thing. We can't have Russian missiles 90 miles off our coast. You know, so what we need to work on again is that trust factor with 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 the Russian regime. Now, whether Putin's a megalomaniac or not is a different subject entirely. But it gets back to dialogue again, where we talk about, well, why would you feel that way? And what can I do to help you understand that those feelings might be misplaced or misaligned so that we can together advance our humanity? Yeah. You know, yeah, good point. Let's leave it at that. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Absolutely, anytime. Always, it's good conversation. We've had many of these conversations. I'm glad we could record one. They're always enlightening to me and uh, inspiring. And so I like the principles that we try to live to. And you get beat down, so you need some inspiration to aspire to them again. Right, and the way to keep from getting beat down is to continue the dialogue. That's that's my philosophy, anyhow. You well know? said. Well said, my friend. All right, everybody. Well, take care. Great day. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. And that's how we see it, my friends. I'm going to thank Dan for recording today's episode. You can find it at icwhatyoumean.castos.com, plus all the usual places. Send questions and suggestions through an app. Subscribe and give me a five-star rating unless you can't, in which case, let me know why. And join me next week when we take another look at how to get on the same page and stay there, unless we shouldn't.